This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Be Great With Your Money. My name is James DeAnderson. I'm one of your hosts, one of your facilitators of this podcast. You know we talk about money, business, capitalism, finance, and all that good stuff so you can actually be great with your money. And I'm super excited about this episode, and we're going to jump into it right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into it, okay? I love coming to you guys, delivering you some super content of what you can do to be great with your money. And listen, I'm going to have to address the elephant in the room when we come here today because one of the biggest things, you know, that I'm seeing out here in the marketplace going into 2018 is that women are becoming more financially savvy, more financially stable, more financially sexy, whatever it is that they call them. But I see women are actually out here crushing it with regards to finance. And the great thing about this episode is I got somebody actually here accompanying me today to go ahead and kind of, you know, just give a female perspective, okay? You know, give a female take on how it is that, you know, they can do things with money, how they're being great with their money and the overall strategies that they've been using. And we're just going to kind of have some fun, you know? So I got a guest on with me today. Day. But really quick before I bring her on and I'm going to ask her to grace the mic here, I'm going to talk about a few things, okay? Number one, ladies and gentlemen, all right, it's real out here, okay, when you're talking about money. And there's this thing that I absolutely hate. I absolutely hate it, but it is the truth, okay? There's a such thing as a gender pay gap, all right? I know a lot of people might not believe it. I know a lot of people might not think that it exists, especially for the guys, right? I'm going to pick on the gentleman for a second. But guys... Honestly, there is a severe, severe problem, especially if you have individuals being great with their money. See, you could have a person, a woman and a male doing the same exact position. And did you guys know that there's actually usually anywhere between 15 to 20, sometimes even 30 percent gap? indifference in pay. So what does that mean? That means if you got a man, say, working as an engineering manager making $100,000, his female counterpart is only going to make about seventy dollars to $75,000. And guys, I was flabbergasted when I actually heard this information because it's absolutely true, all right? It's super true. And, and let's be honest, right? We're in 2018, okay? In some ways, I'm old-fashioned, but in a lot of ways, I'm actually very progressive. When it comes down to money, you know, you got you to gotta get you gotta get great with your money. You got to get the money in the house. You got to get the income up. So I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not leaving the ladies out because I know this problem exists, and we're going to address it today. But one thing I'm going to let you guys know, I read a actual um, a study, okay? And then this is kind of, I'm going to read it straight verbatim. You know, I'm typically off the cuff, but I'm going to read it straight verbatim so you guys can understand. And it said, did you know in 2016, women working full-time in the United States were typically just paid 80% of what men were paid, a a wage gap of 20%. The gap has narrowed since the 1970s due largely to women's progression in education and workforce participation and to men's wages rising at a slower rate. So even though there's a gap there, the overall economy's wages has been lower has been lower, so that's been slowing down the gap a little bit, but it's still a gap there. And it actually says, back to the back to the article, still the gap does not a, appear likely to go away on its own. And at the rate of change between 1960 and 2016, women are expected to we- reach pay equity with men around 2059. Now I don't know about you guys, right? But that's 40 years from now, 41 years from now, and I know we're not trying to wait that long to make sure we got our income up. But here's the thing. But even at a slow process has stalled in recent years, if the change continues at a slower rate since 2001, women actually will not reach pay equity until about 2,119. That's 2,119. Listen, I know I'm trying to be like 100-something years old, but I doubt I'm going to be alive to see 2119. So the thing that we have to focus on, guys, is, okay, this episode is going to be dedicated to the ladies, how to be great with your money. You're going to get some tips. You're going to get some information. You're going to get some things to help address it because we know the issue is out there, so we're going to go ahead and get at it. Now, my guest that's actually here is one of the most successful individuals that I know as a female. She's actually, I'm going to let her tell you a story. I'm not going to take the thunder, but me and her, uh, we became good friends. We talk about 
about money all the time. I mean, really, our future endeavors is going to involve uh, involve actually buying a few hotels here in the Metro Detroit area. So that's what we got on our plan here. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Maria Mosley to the microphone here. She's going to actually tell us a little bit about her story and where you're at. So how are you doing today, Maria? I'm doing great. How are you, James? I'm always good. How about yourself? Good to see you. Real good. Real good. You're Thanks working for hard? having me on. I'm not working hard. I'm just working smarter these days. There you go. There you go. So tell a little bit about your background. You know, um, introduce yourself to the speakers. You know, where'd you go to school? What'd you study? You know, what's your current profession? If you want to share that, just kind of give everybody a background of who, who is Maria Mosley? Who's this lady joining me today? So I'm from the west side of the state, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, born and raised there, grew up there in Kalamazoo. Um, I played bi- basketball. I was actually pretty good. I don't know if you've seen some of my Facebook postings, but <laughs> I was balling. I was balling for a minute. Um, but I think I was a, a little hothead back then, right, because mm-hmm. um, I got a scholarship to go play, um, and I ended up losing that scholarship because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared, um, mentally prepared um, to educate myself at the time. So um I wanted to play um, basketball, but I couldn't. So I came over here to the to the um, east side of the state, Detroit, Michigan. I worked for a company called Winkleman's. I don't know if you guys remember oh, that, yeah. but um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was like a little fashion for, for older business women, um, women that were currently going to the workforce um, or going into corporate America. Um, I spent a couple of years there um, in um, production supervising. Um, I used to do swatches and things like that, okay. um, ordering clothing um, for overseas. So I was a little global um, at a young age. Um, And then they went out of business. And I went to an engineering firm called Plastech. And that's just because I knew someone. Um, So that's my networking started very early. um, And I got into a company called Plastech and I was a production supervisor. Um, So I was on a manufacturing floor where we were producing um, A and B pillars for the automotive industry for the big three. So I started there and that's how I started in that engineering community. Um, I've been in the supply base. I spent about 20 years in the supply base um, before I went to General Motors. Um, I did manufacturing, um, engineering, um, design engineering, um, but I have a business background. I graduated from Central Michigan um, with a a business degree. So um, even though my um, my workforce was was all engineering and manufacturing, um, I chose to go get a business degree. So I wanted to educate myself a little bit on how the business actually work. Um, But I didn't start doing. getting my finances right uh, for a very long time until like my late 30s. Okay. Um, So, and I know we'll talk about that today, but I currently work at General Motors. Um, I'm a purchasing uh, manager. Um, I manage buyers as we purchase all of the the parts and components on vehicles from the, from suppliers um, as we build our vehicles in the plant. Okay. And I know if you guys are listening to this in the Metro Share, no, she ain't hiring. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell it like it is. I mean, we always, you know, especially um, we're, we're they always say we're on the hiring freeze. Oh, yeah. And, that, and that's what every, you know, company, they go through their phases. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know um, just, you know, one of the things that you do work with is you do a lot of, um, we'll just stick with the career for a second, even at this stage in the game. So you graduated Central. Yeah. Um, Business degree. What what type what type of degree you got? I got a I got a, a BA in business. BA in business. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got your MBA. I got my MS in business. Also a master's of science. Okay. Okay. Cool. Now, um, one of the things that I, that I actually admired about you is that you know I found out this kind of later on as we were working together is that um, you actually do like a lot of recruitment like. A lot of recruitment for like engineers and yep. and new employees and stuff like that. So. Let's you know. Let's let's jump right into one of the topics, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you find yourself as being a recruiter, right? So you got people that's coming out of both male and female. You got yep. coming out of school. Do you find that in this day and age, it's um, kind of even playing field? If you just had to give your honest opinion when it comes down to pay between men and women, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. Um, I try to be fair, of course, um, in in recruiting people. Um, My main goal is to create a diverse community, meaning even at General Motors or as I recruit in in my business, um, try to create a diverse community where we have, you know, male, female, white, black, Asian, you know, whoever that may be. Um, 
But I do find that, you know, women are more, um, I'll say, nurturing and emotional when they come to the table and talk about money. Okay. Right. So sometimes they deprive themselves or we deprive ourselves of um, getting what we deserve um, because our emotional being takes place um, when men come in and, and they really focus on on the money. Um, sitting across the table from a female and a male, I can tell you that the men are focused on um, being the top financial earner. Right. right. Um, and women are looking to just um, for more of a, a even keel, um, more to be they want to be equal, but they want to manage their household at the same time. Okay. Um, so they think about, OK, what can I do to just manage my household? Not what can I do to be on top? Right. Right. So when women come into the play, into the, the sector, they don't always ask for what they deserve. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, most people know that. So they may offer them a little less. Okay. Okay. And then they know that they don't, they also often feel that they don't always, um, I don't want to say have what it takes, but they're not willing to give everything of themselves on that particular job because they do have children at home or they have, you know, they have a home to manage. Mm-hmm. And that, that definitely plays a part when we're at the table. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and ladies and gentlemen, you know, my background is engineering sales, right? So I know that's, uh, you know, engineering, engineering sales, manufacturing, all those things are always been like real male dominated fields, right? Absolutely. And even, you know, even in, you know, even in the finance sector, you know, it's, it's, it's growing, it's changing, but it's still one of those male dominated fields and you know I did it's just kind of what I naturally gravitated towards mm-hmm. you know it was either money or technology or engineering so that's that's interesting that you say that you know um that somehow you know like a person coming to the table you know they're looking to get started you know they just graduated they're looking to step out in the workforce right to get the American dream and um they coming to the table is not focused on money now I think that's because too that they're not as confident Uh I mean, when you walk, I mean, I can speak for myself, walking into um, a room full of male engineers, right? right? I'm the only female and not an engineer by trade, even though I had spent maybe 10, 15 years in the engineering world. um, I would walk into a room and it was predominantly white male. That's a little intimidating um, to a female, especially when you walk in and and those white males are talking engineering jargon that you may not be as familiar with. So your confidence level goes down. So at some point you say, I'm going to take what I can get. Um, Mm. And and I've often did that myself um, until later in my in my life. I learned a little bit. Okay, okay. So let me ask you this question. So, um. You know, you kind of address the fact that, you know, historically that, you know, women do, there's a, po- it's not right, right, but it's a possibility that women earn a little bit less, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that we're we're getting better or we're getting worse? I mean, the, 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 re- the research, right, I'm doing air quotes now, the research says that, you know, it's still a long time coming, but it's getting better this could just be me being all rosy, rosy tinted glasses, but I think given that you got more STEM, um, you got more females that's, that's actually coming out, getting into STEM uh, type of uh, roles and becoming in more in leadership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since technology is getting better and you, everybody's getting kind of level, right? I think it's a little bit faster. Do you feel that way? Or do you think that we still got this... 2,119, you know, year before things get level? Um, I think it's it's going to be another 10, 15 years before you can see a true um, equal level in pay when it comes to pay for the same type of jobs. Um, but I will say that we've grown a lot um, mm-hmm. in the last 10 years. Um, when you have, you know, CEOs and, and plant managers, when I'm talking automotive, um, and then you have other top women um, that are CEOs of companies um, that are now getting paid um, on an equal scale. You see that more now, but the numbers are, are a little bit skewed. And I say that because um, when you look at you look at the data and, and it still shows that women are significantly paid lower. Um, but I think that's because there are more women um, that are now doing middle class type jobs. 
you have more women that are doing engineering jobs. Um, they're doing um, some of the technology jobs now. Um, and that's like on the middle level, right? So they're getting paid anywhere from 80000 to $120,000 a year. Um, and it's more of them. So now we're co- counting a, a bigger bulk of women in that particular middle, middle class um, than, than, women, than men. Men are staying home now. And okay. taking care of kids, right? I mean, you don't see it that much, but you see it. Right. So now the numbers are, are a little different. You're comparing more women to a smaller scope of men, um, and that will kind of skew the numbers a little bit. So I think it's going to get better mm-hmm. over time. We're going to see it. I mean, if you look, I think Fortune um, 500, Fortune.com ran an article in January of 2017 of all the the top women CEOs. Right. I mean, we're talking the the CEO of Progressive. We're talking Mary Barra at, at General Motors. Um, a lot of women now are stepping up to the plate, um, and then their their counterparts or their men, right? Their spouses and their significant others are are running the home now. Um, so they're making they're the the breadwinners. They're bringing home the bread, and if we continue to um, move in that direction, we're going to see a, a shift. Right. It'll be a shift over time, but as more the more we communicate with our community, our young women, right, that we can be on top with men now. Um, females are going to start wanting to do the job, right? They won't. They'll no longer be intimidated because right. they're going to go get educated. They're going to see women striving to do what they want to do, right? So now they're going to be more inspired. Um, so it's going to shift, but it'll, it'll be some time. I see 10 or 15 years out. Okay. And you said your article said 2059. Yeah. That's a long way. <laughs> that's a long way away. But when you have somebody that's motivated like myself um, and other constituents of mine that are motivated too, I, I think that number is going to um, decrease significantly. Okay. And I'm and I'm looking forward to it, right? Because I, I think that we all got to go out here and get our money. I mean, that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm always progressive in what we need to do to make the money. So that's good. I mean, that's all great, great things like that. So to touch on one last topic before we touch on one last point before we switch it up, right? Um, I'm going to say this, but it's not going to sound right. So I'm a young lady, right? <laughs> that does not sound right. <laughs> that does not sound right. So... I, let me rephrase it. What kind of um, what advice would you give like a young lady, young woman? I won't say lady, I say woman. A young woman like folk, I guess, entering the workforce. You know, what advice could? What kind of quick, straightforward advice could you give her that if they're looking to go in the workforce, we know that this pay gap exists. You know, what could they do to actually combat that? What would you What would you tell them? Know who you are going in. Know exactly what you want and don't be afraid to speak up for yourself. Um, Your destiny um, is your destiny. So don't let anything impede that um, going to the table. Um, You got to think about, you got to talk to yourself before you walk in um, to that interview or walk into the workforce. Um, You have to know what your end game is, what you plan, what your plan is. And sometimes that requires us to, to write it out. What do you want, you know, I'll say out of life, and that that sounds like a cliche, but what's your end game? Right. What do you want to do later and know what steps you need to take to actually get there? And when you you figure that out, knowing who you are, I think you're going to go a long way. Right. Especially coming straight out of college or entering into the 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 corporate world or the workforce um, when you probably haven't been um, previously. Okay. Okay. I like it. That's awesome. What well, hey, that I mean, you given some some tremendous knowledge there. And um and I know if people take that and especially women if they take that, I mean that that even kinda hit home even though I'm a I'm a guy, right? But if women take that, I mean I guarantee you that that's some great knowledge because most people don't you know, you're not taught really to say what you want, right? Sometimes we're scared. Right. We're scared to say what we want. Um and, you know, back in the day, if I can, I don't know how to put this, but back in the day, it was more like um, women thought, or I don't even want to say women thought, um, society thought that, you know, depending what um, a, a female looks like, sometimes when they look a certain way um, or have a certain level of sex appeal, I'm not sure if I can say it that way or not, Yeah, um, but 
they would tend to um, get more favor, mm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I say women got to know who they are now. You have to know who you are going in um, or going to, to sit at that table um, when it is still to this day um, male dominant. Um, even though we got CEOs, you know, all over the world now, um, it's still a male dominant um, workforce. Right. So, so women have to know who they are. Um, they got to understand their destiny and what they want to do, and they can't let anything impede that. Awesome, awesome. Hey, I mean, there's no. I mean, that's like gold on the ground right there. So, hopefully, all the ladies that's listening, and all the guys that's listening, you know, share this with a lady, pass it on to a lady. Or, um, you know, just pass along those words. That's awesome. So, you know, on this podcast, you know, we talk about different strategies, different tactics, different tips that, you know, people can do something with their money. That's what this, what this whole thing is about. And I love the fact that we're touching on income because so many times, right, and I'm even guilty of this myself, I'm always entrepreneur, 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 and I tend to leave out the entrepreneurs because, we know that there's a small percentage of people that's actually entrepreneurs, and there is a, you know, large percentage of individuals that are, you know, entrepreneurs, what I call those, those people who work for companies, but they brand, they market themselves, they climb the corporate ladder successfully. You know, I don't, a lot of people think that because I always preach about business and things like that, that, um, you know, I'm anti-job. I'm not necessarily anti-job. I'm anti-dead-end job, right? Right. Do something that you can make some income at it. Even if you don't like it, you know, make sure you get an income. Like, I know people, I was talking to a young lady that was, um, you know, she hated serving at this restaurant because she wasn't making any money. It's like, if you hate it and you're not making any money, you got to do something. Let's make a change. Let's get something going. So tell me a little bit about what what you've been able to do over the years um i know you're a business owner as well um you know and just kind of talk about what what it is that you do i mean we've done some business together but what what was your entrepreneurial you know what do you have your what did you have your hand in up up throughout the years you know what have you done what have you been doing and kind of just give a little bit of background on that i've also i've always had a um i don't know uh, hustle about myself, I think. Okay. Um, I think because I, we, you know, we grew up poor, right? My mom didn't know much about finances or, or how to go get money. My grandmother didn't either. Um, love them to death, and I know that they they did all that they could do. But when I, I think back, you know, on history and foundation, my, you know, my grandmother had I think a seventh grade education, um, but she went on to work for um, the hospital for thirty years. Right. And, and my mom had a, you know, a high school education and, and she worked for, you know, a, a manufacturing company also um, for a very long time. So when I think about, you know, the the hustle that I had in me, I always had to, you know, get my hustle on. Right. right. So I would try to create different things um, to make money. Right. When I was in college, um, I didn't know anything about cutting hair, had never been to a cosmetology school. Okay. Um, but I saw a need for something, right? I saw guys that needed to get their hair cut. So I went out one day and I bought me some clippers and I said, you know, I don't know how to fade, but I could give you a bald cut and I can line you up. Right. right? Next thing and I created some little flyers on a eight and a half by eleven card. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I um I stuck them on, on the wall, right, in the community right. area, and people would come to me to get their hair cut. Right, right, right. All I had was a pair of clippers that I bought from uh, Kmart, I believe, back in the day. Right. So I really didn't, but that brought me in some money. Then I said, okay, I started braiding. Okay. Braiding hair um, because I saw a need. Right. I saw that females needed to get their hair done, especially um, African-American, because, you know, we got a little bit of snapback. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, sometimes, you know, especially in the athletic world, you know, when we would sweat and stuff, our our hair would draw up. Okay. So I was like, you know, females wanted to, to braid their hair. Right. You know, so I said, let me learn how to braid, twist. Let me learn how to do something. Right. right? Um, so I started doing that. Um, and then, you know. We had some some Africans that were coming over here and doing hair, too. So I would watch them do hair and I would figure out how to do hair. Right. Um, so I 
started creating my own hustle because I knew I needed to start making some money. Right now, I didn't know what to do with that money I was making because I was making. I mean, at at a young age, you know, if I could make a thousand dollars a week, um, that was awesome. Right. right? You know, (laughs) while in college. So I was trying to create something. Now, you said said one thing. Right. And we're going to talk about it because I got I got to go to there. But you said you're making a thousand dollars a week in college. Mm -hmm. That's four thousand dollars a month. Oh, yeah. In college. Yep. Grown people ain't out here making four thousand dollars a nope, month. Nope, they're not. They're not. Okay, I'm just. I just know <laughs> don't just glaze over there. I'll just make a thousand dollars a week in college. Go ahead. Well, I say it like that because I didn't know what to do with it. Right. Right. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that, but I didn't know what to do with that money. So, you know, my level of intelligence when it came to managing money was very low. Okay. So, and then you know, a lot of us in our community, you know, we like to wear our money. So that was my that was my motto back then, right? Okay. You know what I'm saying? I would, you know, Gucci this or Gucci that. I mean, it was all name brand. Right. Or it was, you know, having the the nicest things in your room. People wanted to come to your room, you know, come and get something to eat in your room, you know, <laughs> in your dorm room. So um, it was um, making money back then is different from making money now and actually managing that money. Um Debt back then, you know, I looked at it as, oh, I'll pay for it later. Right. Well, I am paying for it later, too. Um, so I didn't manage my money right back then, but I made a lot of it. I wish I knew where it was now <laughs> so I could go get it, you know. Right, right, right. So that's that takes me into the next topic, great thing. So when did you have your aha moment? Like, when did you have your aha finance moment? Like, said, okay. Typically, individuals when they're out here, they're 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 making money, you know, they're they're doing what they have to do, and um, they have income coming in. And for me, it was that time where I literally I got, you know, a seventeen thousand dollar bonus check, and I had no idea where the money was at. That was like my aha moment. So, and I knew I had to do something different. So, when was yours? Where were you at? What were you doing? When did you have that light bulb just cut on? I think I had several, um, but I'm going to say in my mid-30s is when I really had that aha moment. And that aha moment was when I didn't have any money. I had a um, daughter going into high school, um, and she was very gifted. And they wanted to send her to, to the Roper School or Cranbrook. And I don't know if you guys remember the Skillman Foundation. It's still around. Um, but my daughter was a Skillman Scholar. Um, and when she graduated from Roper and she had applied for all of the, the top high schools around here, like Cranbrook and Country Day, she got into all of them. And we chose Roper um, for more so the culture and the fit. Um, but when she graduated and the Skillman Scholar Scholarship um, coordinator stood on stage and said that her scholarship was worth over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars going to high school. That was a aha moment for me that a lot of people around me didn't get the Skillman scholarship. So how in the heck did they pay for this? Right. right? So when I started seeing that, that people were actually paying for their teenagers to go to um, very prestigious high schools, that was like, whoa, I don't have any money. And I want to say maybe a couple of weeks after that at my church, Life Church in Southfield, um, we went to a seminar um, with R- Dave Ramsey. Oh, really? And, and and I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey, and, and I'll probably bring him up later. But when I went there and they started talking about all the money that you've made over the years, right? And I'm thinking, you know, I've been in, been in the game, automotive game, for the last 20, 20, about 15 years at that time. Um, I've been in this game for a long time, and I started pulling out W-2s, mm-hmm. right? And I'm looking at those W-2s on what I made every year, right? And then I made enough money where I should probably have a good million in the bank. Mm-hmm. So that was like, whoa, where did all this money go? Not even counting the hustle money, right? Because right. I think it was the hustle money that really helped me get by. 
Um, but that was my aha moment, not having any of that money that had, I had earned in the last 15, 20 years. And I'm like, man, where did it go? And I'm talking about not having any money. So I'm talking about no investments, right? No 401, no mutual funds, no stocks, having none of that um, and still getting to where I had gotten at that time because I felt I was very successful, right. but I really wasn't. I had no money in the bank. Um, so that was an aha moment to me that you, you need to get it together because guess what? Um, late, you, you only have another 20, maybe 25 years to work. If you're not working, you're not getting paid, right? So if you're not getting paid, how are you going to continue your, your lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Or even a, a lower less lifestyle, right? I wouldn't even be able to do that. So that was an aha moment for me, um, basically not having any money in the bank after I have people giving me so much money, right? Scholarship money and, and, and working for the last 15, 20 years, it was just like, you, you don't have any money. Where's your money going? You better get it together real quick, right? And I couldn't expect for my children to just take care of me. I didn't want that. I want to be able to live on my own and and be financially equipped to do whatever I want to do once all of my kids are are out of the house and going to college. Right. That's awesome. I mean, there's no other better way to get you motivated to start making changes and being great with your money than to realize that you don't have any money. Right. And that's the greatest thing that... It's, this, it's one sad thing. It's very, very sad, right, when you have individuals going through that particular point. But it is the greatest because when people realize that the financial changes that they're able to make is, I mean, it's tremendous. When they realize, like, geez, I earned, you know, six figures for the last 20 years and I don't even have $1,000 in the bank, like, right then and there. People almost go cold turkey. They make drastic lifestyle changes. They make drastic income changes, and they start trying to do things differently. So you're at that point. You had this aha moment, okay? Mm-hmm. What was one of the first things you did? So you realized it. You know, did you budget? Did you go get a bunch of books? Did you, you know, go home and cry? Like, what, what happened? I did cry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, literally, I did cry, I think, for weeks, though, mm-hmm. on where is all of this money that I made. And I was very, I was saddened by the fact that my community and the culture by which I had been raised in didn't teach me anything about saving money or about finances. Um, so I did. But I did also start going to purchase books, right? (laughs) I started purchasing books. Um, I started listening to Grant Cardone. Um, I did two universities um, with Dave Ramsey um, and started trying to understand. And and the funny thing about it is it was all things that I had already knew. Mm. Um, I just didn't understand how to execute it. Okay. Right. So when you talk about, you know, the snowball effect of, of debt elimination, I knew that already. Um, but I didn't know how to execute to it. It takes a, a different mindset, a shift in your mindset, especially when you've been brought up one way to where my family had never had. We I don't remember a conversation about finances. Mm. I don't remember one conversation about managing my money a certain way. Um, so when I went to this particular university, it's called Financial Peace University, um, and I went through my church I went to that and I said, man, I know all this information. Why am I not executing to it? Because I just didn't have the mindset and the discipline to do it. Um, but now that I do, um, it's it's changed my life tremendously. And it's changed my children's lives, right? So it's, it's become very profound, right? If I do something very um, stupid, so to speak, or dumb, right, when it comes to my finances, that's just because I'm stupid or dumb, right? right? plain and simple. So now I try to manage it in a way that I look at my money differently and I say, what am I going to purchase that's going to gain me money later versus lose me money now? Okay. Now you said two things. You said two things that were huge. I want to, I want to touch on. So just for people that don't know it, um, that could be listening to this, give them like 30 seconds on what a debt snowball is. So basically a debt snowball is um, first increasing your cash flow just a little bit, 
paying off one debt at a time over a certain amount of years. Um, and as you paid that off, take that previous payment for the previous debt and apply it to the next debt, right? And continue to double and triple up on your debt. That's a snowball effect. So you continue to roll that snowball and add money to it that you already have. So you're not grabbing that money anywhere else. For example, you have a car note that's $200. You got a mortgage that's, you know, $400 just for sake of numbers. You know, you take that 200, you continually pay that car note. And then you once it's paid off, you take that 200 and put it with that $400 mortgage. And now it's 600 and you pay that off. And now you end up paying things off quicker um, and then you end up paying things off at a lesser amount because you eliminate the interest on that. So the more you pay over time and the quicker you pay it, the less interest you pay on it. So instead of paying a mortgage off in 30 years, you could probably pay it off in 15. Right. And it may save you anywhere from 50 to 250 thousand dollars, you know, depending on, you know, the amount of your home. Awesome. Awesome. Now. You said that. um you also, you didn't have the conversation at home about money, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, but you knew the information. So where did you get it from? So I got the information um, first from the the reading books, right? I went okay. home and started grabbing books and I started reading books, right? Um, but the funny thing about that is as I'm reading different um, leadership and financial books, because they seem to come hand in hand. As I'm reading those, they're telling me what to do. I already know how to do it, but I don't have the cash flow to do it, Okay. right? So I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. So what I did was I started talking to my friends and family. Um, I don't know if you guys know Nicole Petaway, but she's a, a, a business partner of mine, of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started telling her, man, over all these, I mean, we're both in corporate America, right? We're both, you know, trying to get a directorship or, or C-suite, right, um, within a company. Um, but and uh, C-suite, just in case you guys don't know, that's that corporate lingo. That's that C-level executive. So, yeah. you know, that's when you get the car, you know, you get the uh, you get the title, CIO, CEO, CTO, CFO. <laughs> yeah. You know, that C-suite. Sweet life, you know, C-suite life. Um, It's a great life, though. I mean, (laughs) I'm not downplaying it. It's a great life. Um, But when you when you think about you're making all this money um, for everyone else and and not really making enough for yourself um, to execute to a plan to to strategies, then then you think twice about it. Right. Where do you really want to be? And that, again, goes back to to knowing who you are. Um, but to get back um, to, to when I really started figuring out what I could do differently is I was talking to my business partner, Nicole Petaway, um, and she said, Maria, I, I was introduced to um, a company called My Econ, and I think you should, you should step on it and, and listen to some of the strategies. So in listening to some of the strategies, um, income shifting is one of the ones that I was very interested in. Mm-hmm. And, and once I got interested in that and figured out how to actually income shift, and I'm talking about not on a low scale, I'm talking about on a high scale. Right. Um, that gave me the extra piece that I needed that I didn't get from those Dave Ramsey um, university classes. Um, they told me how to do it, um, but they didn't tell me how to get the money to actually execute to it. Right. Um, my econ taught me a few strategies on how to bring the money in and then to use that money to eliminate debt um, and prepare for my retirement. So that was kind of my moment right there, how I figured it out, just having a conversation Right. Like we're having now. And and Nicole brought up a a few things to me and I was like, what is that? So then I started, you know, really studying on what I can do and then what I missed out on all these (laughs) years. I mean, I know I lost a lot of money, but I could have saved a lot of money, too, Mm -hmm. if I were just educated earlier um, in my life. Okay, so since then. Right. um, Give give the listeners some type of gauge. Right. Because you say you did on a massive scale. So. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to do things that I tell people, not mostly do, but put some numbers to it, right? Mm-hmm. Put a number to it. So when you, I'll say, started fixing your finances correctly, you know, I love Dave Ramsey, but, you know, I got my reservations yeah. personally, yeah, right? You know, right. Yeah. Um, but I love what he does, and I'm not taking away nothing he's done done with the Financial Peace University, the Total Money Makeover. I have all the, I went through the course, have everything, mm-hmm. love it. But, you know, I got my own personal deal with that. But. 
With that being said, so we'll just say when you started, you know, fixing your finances correctly to, to date, what's the dollar amount, how you kind of flipped it, you know, how much is your life changed dollar for dollar? So I have cash flowed about $100,000, mm-hmm. which means I've either brought that money back into my household or I've eliminated debt. Um, $100,000 in, in what, less than two years. Okay. Okay. Now, to me, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. That's on, that's on a really big scale. Right. Um, I brought about $1,200 back into my household on a monthly basis just by income shifting. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, that's, on, that's the beginning. That's the first thing that you do um, when you go into becoming a business owner of your own. Now, just to step back a little bit, I've always had my hair business, right? I've right. always been twisting and braiding um, for, for a lifetime. Um, but some of the strategies that I've learned in my econ, my accountant didn't teach me that. So I didn't know that. Right. So coming into this on a low scale income shifting, you know, I started out just by correcting my, you know, my W, my um, W-4. Mm-hmm. And that brought me $1,200 back into my household. Now that I got that disciplined mindset, I said, okay, I'm going to take that 1200 and I'm going to throw it on debt. So I'm going to pretend like I didn't even have it, but I'm going to start working that snowball effect. Right. right. So I took that 1200 and started putting it on debt. And that's how I started gaining, you know, some more cash flow in my household because I'm eliminating debt. I can bring, you know, that payment back into the household. And that's how I got to $100,000 of cash flow saved. Okay. Now, with that being said... Right. So you're fixing your finances. You're doing what you need to do. You, you're, you know, investing now, eliminating debt, doing everything you need to do to get yourself there. Have you found it easier now that you're executing it to teach it to your children? And if you are teaching finances and things like that to your children, what's some of the things that you're showing them? What's some of the things that you have them doing? You know, do you got them like on an allowance plan now? Do you actually have them... Uh, Earning their own income? Are they helping you out in your own businesses? What are what are they doing to learn about money? See, and the reason why I ask that is because, fortunately, with me, I was I was blessed, right? My dad was an entrepreneur when I was a kid, so I worked in the family business. I understood the grind, the hustle, the grit, get your hands dirty, and I'm a real type of hard hard edge person when it comes to that. Like, let's get some money in the, in the till. But, you know, you said you didn't have the conversation when you were younger, right? So. Now you're fixing yourself. So how? Are, what are you doing now to pass that along to your children so that we don't continue to cycle? So as I learn, they learn now. And I'm not afraid to have that, that conversation. Um, my parents didn't talk to me about it at all. I mean, even to this day, I think I'm talking to my mom about finances. Um, and she still looks at me a little funny um, when I talk to her about money. Um, but as I learn, I teach them, Right. I used to give my kids an allowance thinking that that was going to really, I don't know, show them that, you know, having money is good and, mm-hmm. and saving money is good. But they blew they blew it. Right. <laughs> so now I started saying, OK, you have to earn your money. Um, I found out that I can pay them a wage right through my businesses. So I tell them, hey, if you want to work with me in this business, this is what you have to do. And this is the money that you'll earn if you work with me. Um, I can write that wage off and I'm telling them, hey, as you make money in this in the business with me, you, too, will be able to write that off. Um, so I'm teaching them as I go about finances. I took them through the the kids, you know, financial peace university also. But then I start taking them through the my my econ university. Mm-hmm. So all they know now is my econ. They know my econ. They know the strategies. They should be able to spit out the strategies um, to, to anyone that asks them. And, you know, they may hesitate because they're, they're teenagers, but they should be, a talk, be able to talk about income shifting. They should be able to talk about wages. Um, they should be able to talk about different tax benefits, you know, when it comes to mileage and meals and entertainment. Um, they know why we're going, you know, why we're buying season tickets and what mom is going to do mm-hmm. um, with that receipt. They know when we go out to eat while we're talking about, you know, finances because mom wants to make it a part of her business. I want my business to be a part of my everyday life and I want it to be a part of their life, too. Um, understanding finances will will set you up for um, a very successful way of living. Um, and I think that if they understand that, 
they're they're getting a head start right now. And and they may be a little behind seeing that they're teenagers now, but um, they're getting a, a, a head start compared to where I was at and then all the people that were around me, you know, my cousins and family, they don't know anything about finances either, right? And I learned that the hard way, right? right? I mean, I think one of my business partners would say, why would you listen to somebody about money when they don't have any money, right? Just to be plain and simple, why are you going to listen to somebody that's broke, Right. You know, you broke, but you want to get money. You're going to go listen to somebody that don't even have no money. <laughs> so you got to start surrounding yourselves with those that have a different mindset when it comes to money. So teaching my children about this is 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 very important to me because I know as they get out in this world, I want them to understand their finances a little better because I think it's just going to be a better way of living. I mean, emotionally, you know, mentally, when you have money and you manage it a certain way, I just think you think about life in, um, in different ways than, than those, you know, that, that don't have any, right. right? And I'm not saying you have to be rich, right? I'm just saying you have to be wealthy in your mindset when it comes to, to money. Awesome. I couldn't say it any better myself. That's that's great. I mean, if, if listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not picking up some of this information that she's dropping, I mean, I, I literally have a grin. You know, if you could see me right now, I literally got a grin from ear to ear because I love hearing people talk about just, you know, I hate to be cliche, but just how to be great with your money, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things, you know, we got time for maybe like one more, one more question, and um, I'm going to kind of just – toss it over a wall and kind of give it to you and just what financial advice um, that you'll give to somebody and as far as investments are concerned and let me be a disclaimer right Mm -hmm. you know we're not investment advisors we're just talking about money and maybe some of the things that we're excited about not saying you should go invest in based upon our words but what kind of financial advice would you give to somebody and lastly what are you excited in the next upcoming years as far as investments, portfolios, and things like that are are concerned? So the first thing I say about investments is don't invest in anything you don't know anything about, right? Um, And I say that because, you know, the crypto and and the Bitcoin and and all of that that's out there right now, um, a lot of people are saying just go buy it, go buy it. Now, I don't know anything about it, so I didn't purchase it, so I didn't feel the need right now, but I know there's money to be made in it. But the first thing I'll say is don't invest in anything you don't know anything about, right? Mm-hmm. You got to educate yourself first. And also, um, your 401k on your job isn't going to help you become financially free, okay. right? You need at least 10 to 20 times your annual base salary um, to become financially free, meaning to have enough money to live your lifestyle once you decide to retire. And it doesn't have to be at age 62 um, and a half or 59 and a half to draw out your 401k. Um, You need enough money to sustain your lifestyle. So if you are making $60,000 a year, you need 600,000 or 1.2 million by the time you get ready to, to retire. Um, So I'll tell people that also manage your money in a way so that you can build a a future plan for yourself. You got to stick to it, though. You got to be extremely disciplined um, when doing that. I'll say in addition to your 401k, not that that can't help you get there, but you have to be extremely disciplined. And then you got to put a lot of money away in your 401k for you to get wealthy. Right. To get to that, you know, rule of 72, so to speak. So. You have to start purchasing and investing in in other things that will bring you money. When is the last time you purchased something that actually paid you back, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to think about that when you're thinking about investments in stocks. You know, real estate um, is a great one um, to invest in. Um, But look at your different stock options. Look at your 401k and and make sure that your 401k fund is getting you at least 8 to 10% rate of return. Um, It makes no sense to get 4% or 5% rate of return um, on money because you'll never get to to a financial freedom spot. Um, So that would be my advice to people is to, you know, don't invest in anything you don't know about. And then when you do start investing in things, make sure that it's going to get you, you know, at least an 8 to 10% rate of return. I'll also um, advise people to write out your plan, right? You can't think about it in your head. 
because you will never execute to it. But when you write it down um, and what we call our cash flow strategist, once you write it down in that strategist, now you are accountable for that. You can see your plan. Um, it'll show you that, you know, maybe in 2030 that you'll now become debt free and you'll be financially free. Right. So write your plan out. That would be my advice to those that are that are starting to invest. Understand your plan. Um, understand your funds over a 10 year span, what it's done. You know, you got to start reading and educate, ed- educating yourself, you know. So once you start doing that, I think things will will turn around for you real quick. I mean, it took me a long time. Right. Thirty five plus years to understand my finances. But since I've done that, um, it's looking real good for me right now. And I think my children would, uh, they'd appreciate that. I think my business partners will too. There you go. There you go. All right. Awesome. So I'm a person listening to this podcast and um, I'm digging what you're talking about. How do I follow you? How do I reach out to you? How do I contact you? Mm-hmm. I'm MariaMosley.com. Um, that's my site. I'm MariaMosley.com. You can go on that site and you can um, send me your your information and I can get back to you. Um, and then also, um, you can, uh, I'm a part of the My Econ World, the, the Millionaire Society on Facebook. Um, you can find me at Maria Mosley on Facebook also. Um, and then um, I'm not sure we can give our numbers out on here. I know you're going to be sending my number number out to people. I don't know who's going to reach back out. You know, I don't know who's going to get this podcast. You know, they're going to be, uh, they're going to look you up on Facebook. They're like, I got a number. They're going to start calling directly. We ain't going to do that. So I think I'm uh, going to refrain from doing that. But I'm MariaMosley.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, thank you for joining us again for another uh, Be Great With Your Money podcast. My name is James D. Anderson. That's at IMJD Anderson. Uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you can find me on Snap. You can find me on YouTube. And um, I appreciate everybody just coming in and listening to ways that we can kind of do what we need to do because we got to get this money right. Hey, listen, I might just go on a coalition myself to fight this gender gap. And uh, (laughs) let's go ahead and start chopping this baby down because, hey, the more people that can make more money, the more people that can, we can get on a level playing field, especially with my women. Um, you got more money that can be invested in your community. And the picture is so much larger. And I'm not going to jump on my soapbox right now. So here's the thing, guys. If you ever want to know any information, you guys can always reach out to me on any particular platform. Again, that's at IMJD Anderson. And, guys, that's another episode in the bag. So this is James D. Anderson, your host for your facilitator of the Be Great With Your Money podcast. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, always be great with your money. And I'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, James Anderson here. Have you ever been stranded on the side of the road because you ran out of gas or your car just overheated? How about locking yourself outside of your vehicle? I'm telling you guys, that's me. I always lock myself out. But here's the thing. When you have an auto emergency, you tend to not make the best financial decisions and could quickly put yourself in a money snafu. In order to prevent that chaos, we have to make sure our vehicles are covered with a high quality roadside assistance program. That's number one, affordable and number two, accessible. That's why I love Road Assure. Whether it's towing, needing some gas, or perhaps you just want to get a tire change, Road Assure is always available 24-7, 365. You just call a simple toll-free number, and then for less than a few cups of coffee, you can be totally covered. And check this, you even get a 30-day free trial with the program. So you can roll on over to jda-solutions.com forward slash auto, A-U-T-O, jda-solutions.com forward slash auto to review the benefits and get going today. Listen, don't let being stuck on the side of the road cause you not to be great with your money. Again, that's jda-solutions.com forward slash A-U-T-O. This episode of the Be Great With Your Money podcast was brought to you by JDA Solutions, where strategy is how you win financially. Visit jda-solutions.com and click learn more for more information.